Welcome to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast. For more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also join us every Sunday morning at 10.30am at Mosley Pavilion. Now for the message. So how are we all? And it's nearly Christmas. Yay! <laughs> Lisa just went... We were in Tesco's yesterday and I visited the same cashier three times in 15 minutes because one was Isaac's gift for Anna and then Anna's gift for Isaac and then, and then the security system decided to go down as we were standing and Anna, who loves a bit of drama, was just sucking it all in. And I said to the lady, I said, my daughter's really enjoying the drama. She said, drama, come here on Christmas Eve when you see an 80-year-old attack someone for the Brussels sprites. <laughs> Unbelievable. Anyway, so uh, this morning we have a few more empty seats than usual. And I want to keep banging the drum about uh, reaching and about demystifying it. So again, look at your life, look at the friends that you have, rather than it has to be some randomer on the street, grab someone who's walking a dog on their way past. You can try that if you want. But someone you have a relationship with, and when they ask you the question, there's normally that moment when they ask you the question as to, so what's going on with you, or how's church, or as my father-in-law said, so how's church going? And I went, yeah, it's grand, Desi, because to be honest, it couldn't be be bothered. I was tired, wanted to eat my Chinese, and afterwards Claire said to me, you know, we should really take those opportunities. And she's right. So what I want to say is just continue to reach out, and we're only going to build this one. We're all building it. And in the next few weeks, well, it'll be about a month or so, we're going to look at uh, Nehemiah and how it was every family's responsibility to build their part of the wall. So we're going to look into that a little bit. So here we are, Sunday before Christmas. Two sleeps. If you have children, you measure everything in sleeps. Two sleeps. Two sleeps. And yesterday we went to see Mary Poppins Returns. Aaron, uh, they called at our house and we had to leave quickly. And I said, Aaron, we made it in time. He said, how was it? My response was, (laughs) I, I, I smiled a lot and cried a lot. And his response was, why am I not surprised? But it was just fantastic. It was really, really, really good. One of the few, not a remake, but one of the few sequels that is, I would say, far outweighs the actual original. It was mostly about the soul and the spirit from my point of view. And if you have eyes to see it and you go with those eyes, it is quite quite amazing. And the little boy who Mary Poppins had seen from years ago, this is in the trailer, so I'm not going to spoil it for you. But whenever she sees him again from the trailers, uh, he says, I'm all grown up. And she said, yeah, we're going to have to deal with that. And the whole thing about the movie is that uh, really what looks to be impossible often is not. Now, we're not saying that Jesus is like Mary Poppins. I think that's quite an unfair uh, parallel to draw. But what I am saying is that Jesus said that unless you change, and that change means by switching direction and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And Mary Poppins is all about becoming like a little child and what actually becomes open to you when you become like a little child. So Um, I don't know whether you would be in the habit of drawing parallels to movies, but certainly that was a helpful one for me. And I spent most of it going, (laughs) and Claire said, did you enjoy it? And I said, yes, I did, especially at the bit when they said one thing. I was like, (laughs) and I wanted, I looked around for like other people going, this is beautiful. And there was just people like this. 
And I thought, right, I'm on my own then, let's move on. So we're not talking about Disney magic, although Disney can create some magic, but we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. So, decorations, check, presents, all in order, wrapped. Food, friends, wrapping, money, pressure, gifts. Is it enough? Is it too much? What did they get us last year? Oh, sweet goodness, I didn't buy what they bought for me to that value. Yes, we've all said that one. I remember my mom said that to me. And I said, well, why don't you just transfer the difference into their bank account then? She took offense at that, although I was telling the truth. Our first Christmas between Claire and I, I got her this lovely cross necklace. Now, when I bought the cross necklace, I thought this... Why would Claire want a cross necklace? She doesn't normally wear cross necklaces. And I gave it to her all excited. First Christmas, full of magic, full of wonder. And gave it to her. And she went, hmm, it's lovely. And then went away for a while. And I remember thinking, why is she going away for a while? She came downstairs, back into the living room and went, I, I didn't want a cross necklace. And I went, well, we've just ruined Christmas now, haven't we? Love, delight, enjoyment. A break for most of us, for those of you who are still working, uh, we feel for you. Reconnecting with family, sometimes family we don't want to reconnect with. Special family time, awareness of those that aren't there anymore. Christmas is wonderful and Christmas is awful, isn't it? Can I have an amen? And here we are. And we're here because a baby was born in a shed in a no-good town thousands of miles away and thousands of years ago. And once we get towards the end of this message, we're going to talk about what I had actually entitled it to be, which is following the star. All that we are, everything that we have taught, every little bit of it is because he came. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And I'm going to read, uh, hopefully a lot of these passages are very familiar to you. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light is dawned. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal or passion of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And this is the one. Do you ever listen to the carols from Kings, uh, the nine lessons in carols? No, I'm on my own with that one. And they get the people who sound like this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Have you all switched off yet? We've heard this so many times, haven't we? And what we want to do every Christmas is when these things are being read and whenever we have the story being told again, listen from a different perspective or listen out for something that you didn't hear the time around. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Do you have favor on you? Do you need to make an assessment before you answer that question? If you have favor on you, which it would offer to you if you're in relationship with him, you do, then there's some peace resting on you. And what I would do is I would be going, okay, so I've got favor. The angel's saying here that peace rests on, the, on or peace is on those on whom his favor rests. So at Christmas time, I would be asking for an extra dollop of peace. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Notice they didn't say which the angels told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they'd been told. And this is from Luke 19.10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came quietly in hiddenness through a teenage virgin. His cot was an animal trough. His mother's fiancé was tempted to break off the engagement due to the shame of his mother being pregnant. And yet, in the poverty of the situation, Jesus Christ was born, and the poverty was a sign of his majesty. I've been saying this for the past few weeks, but have you noticed how he just does not do things the way that we do things? If you want to be first, you've got to be... If you want to have loads, you've got to give away a stack. If you want to find your life, you've got to, you've got to give it away. And it's the sign of the majesty of Jesus Christ is the poverty and the situation that he was born into you. And that's Luke 2.12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That's like God saying, I've got an, a, a sovereign appointment for you and it's going to be with someone who really stinks. They've been homeless for a long time and they're sitting outside McDonald's at the back at three o'clock in the morning and they're going to have had too much to drink. That's the sign that I'm on this. And yet, because we've heard this story so many times, and the nativities, which I love, and my highlight was whenever the, uh, at Isaac's one, when the angel picked her nose and ate it. That was uh, a beautiful moment. But in the nativity stories, it's all, even in the Christmas stories, you know, you look at a Christmas card, you've got the animal cot and the donkeys, it's all sweet and lovely, and Mary's sitting there and she's got her makeup on and it's just wonderful. And actually the reality of this is pretty dark and messy and gross and painful and awkward and abandoned and lost and blah, 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 blah. And God says, you'll know it's me because that's what it looks like. So we've got some rewiring to do, don't we? If it's you, Lord, it will be pristine and perfect. Nope. So this should all tell you something about how God likes to do things. We're part of his kingdom where the first is last and the last is first. Christmas reminds us that all is not as it seems. God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. 
And Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, I've said this a lot. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. God moves in ways that can be missed, but they cannot be mistaken. So let this, hopefully, this message posture you that over Christmas time, where you're standing is he's up to something and it's my job to find out what he's up to. And he's going to be up to it in the most unlikely of circumstances through the people that probably you don't want him to be up to through. He will set you up. (laughs) Have you noticed that about him? The one person that you don't want to see is going to be there. And you're like, if I had known that, why was there no word of knowledge about that one? Well, that's a very good question to ask. Because if you had one, you wouldn't have gone. Because your appointment was to deal with the thing that you didn't want to do. God, what are you going to give me this Christmas? Son, restoration. That sounds amazing with them. Let's just let it be awkward for a minute. God's about this goal that is going to be the best thing for everybody, going to affect the most people the most amount of the time, and just, it's going to be wonderful, but it's going to be painful. So if we're going to follow this God, we're going to have to follow him, even when it's in the places that we don't want to go. Deepest, darkest Peru could be the greatest fear for some people. Sometimes it's just family gatherings. Isn't that right? God, I will go wherever you send me. Go and talk to your daddy. Not there. God sends. God comes. God's ways can be missed, but they cannot be mistaken. And if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, the Christmas story highlights how God likes to do things. And it's never clearer than through the circumstances surrounding the birth of his son. It doesn't all depend on us. Which is more important? We asked this in a small group. Which is more important? Your ability to follow God or God's ability to lead you? Which one is it? No, one of the answers could be both. But he can lead you way better than you're able to follow. All you need to do is just not give up. And at Christmas time, he wants to lead us somewhere. In the Christmas story, everybody's seeking something. Jesus came because he was seeking to save the lost. Everything that was taken by what Adam had given away was taken back by his death on a tree. For as Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15.22 Everyone in the Christmas story is seeking something. Proverbs 25.2 It's the glory of God to consider. You're handing out banana sweets? Well, that's just cruel. That's one of my favorite. No, I can't eat and do this at the same time. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter and to search out a matter of the glory of kings. It's the nature of royalty to seek and to save or to seek and to find. So the question for you is, what are you looking for this Christmas? (laughs) Banana sweets. What are you looking for? Everybody's just distracted now. Sorry, do you want me to have an interval now? What are you looking for? What is it that you would most like to have this Christmas? Because there's one also that's waiting to be found. And actually, all of the deepest desires that we have, whether we believe in him or not, and I sincerely hope that you do being here. If you don't, I hope that changes throughout the course of the morning. Talk to me at the end. But 
if we believe in him, then he is the answer to every one of our uh, questions, issues, everything that we're looking for. If we don't believe in him, he's still the answer to every one of our questions, issues, everything that we're looking for. G.K. Chesterton said that the man who's knocking on the door of a brothel is looking for God. He is the answer to every one of our questions and every one of our issues and every single thing that we're seeking for, no matter what it is, no matter whether we believe in him or not. God wants you to find him this Christmas and he wants to find you. And the both are happening at the same time. And a nod to Claire Porter, it's always both and. It's always both and. It's about our ability to follow him and it's about his indescribable ability to lead us. The shepherds, they had the lowliest job of the day and yet God held an angelic choral concert right in front of them. When the angel showed up to announce his birth and the choir of angels started singing, then they sought the king, the shepherds went to meet the shepherd. Your circumstances, no matter what you do, no matter where you are, no matter who you work for or what you do in that job, do not dictate your worth or your identity. Whose you are does. Mary and Joseph, they were seeking for somewhere for Jesus to be born and they were doing their very best to love what God had entrusted them to love. And you'd think because it was God that there would be at least a premier in because they're warm and they're clean, aren't they? With clean sheets and maybe a midwife set beside and you know God would have texted the midwife, I don't know what they did in those days, carrier pigeon, and the midwife would have been ready, somebody with experience somewhere. And yet the poverty of the situation, I would say also the poverty of the provision in the situation as well was the sign of the majesty of Jesus Christ. And maybe I would offer to you that the poverty of the provision was because he is the provision. And provision literally means for the vision. And he came to seek and to save the lost and he came to die so that we could live. We need to die to our expectations, don't we all? That if it's good, it'll look like this. Because it's good, it's going to look a certain way. (coughs) A census was called, and it was the census that drove Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus would come out of Bethlehem. It was that awful journey when she was close to giving birth that fulfilled the fact that it was God up to something. God's ways are not our ways and they seem so much harder than what we would design them to be and they seem that way because they are but in the long run it will always be much better. Often what initially frustrates us is what ultimately fulfills us. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. The thing that is causing you the greatest frustration that you can't get from under, that job that you want to leave, the person that you don't want to be in relationship with, that issue that you have that God just doesn't take away like that, the thing that initially frustrates you will ultimately fulfill you if you do not give up. Mary and Joseph remind us that we have to give our yes to God, whatever he's asking us to do. And when we do that, we hold on. And we were teaching a little bit last week, or the week before Andrew was teaching about the soul and the spirit, and I gave a little bit more about that. But your soul's going to scream. God's going to say, Angie, would you do that? And your soul's going to go, no! And your spirit's going to go, oh, yes. And you get to decide which one that you're going to bow your knee to. 
Herod. Herod was seeking to protect his position. The presence of this child raised up fear in the tyrant, and he started to manipulate and deceive and kill. He ordered the slaughter of all the male infants, and that's how the enemy works. John 10.10, steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life, and life in all its fullness. Matthew 2.16, when Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Slaughter in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. He defended his kingdom rather than yielding himself and the kingdom entrusted to him to the presence of the king of kings. You see, Herod had a choice as well. He's down in the history books as being the megalomaniac and the despot and the tyrant that he was because that's what he chose to do and be. He also had the opportunity to yield himself to the presence of the king of kings. The presence of Jesus Christ is not always welcome and I have to confess at times it's not or has not been, I would hope it's not the case now, but he's not always been welcome with me because he threatens the kingdom that I've built. We've got to choose to yield ourselves to the reign of the king of kings in our lives or else we'll manipulate, we'll scheme and we'll decide to try and kill what God's up to. It's not really one we want to say yes and amen to. But we've all tried, haven't we? And then hopefully what we do is we go, all right, you win. You get to be who you are and I get to be who I am called to be and I'll play my part. Are we ready for following the star? There's one shining right out there. Matthew 2, 1 to 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he'd gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it's written by the prophet, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, who had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you find him, bring back word to me so that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And the star which, was, which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. What did that look like? You know, in the nativity, they go, and here is frankincense. Well, they fell down. Did that mean that they walked in and they literally hit the ground and they were undone? Were they completely ruined? And I mean, you know, I was ruined a little by Mary Poppins. But were they, I mean, like, couldn't hold it together? They were overcome. Is that what exceedingly great joy is when you pull it down to the other side? The more joy that you experience, the more that you can understand the depths of what's actually going on here. So they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in the dream that they should not return back to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Stars. Stars. 
Genesis 1, 14 to 15, and God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. Psalm 19, 1 to 4, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out in all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Stars are signs and markers of sacred times and seasons. And this is from Daniel. I love this verse, Daniel 12, 3. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And what do we call people here on the TV? Stars. They're not stars. Have you noticed that it's called a program? Have you noticed that? What are you programmed by? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. There was an old prophet, uh, Bob Jones, said it's called a tell-a-vision. They're not stars. We are. You lead people to Jesus. You instruct them in the way they should go. You tell them who Jesus Christ is. I had this beautiful moment with my daughter yesterday. And we were talking about something. And it was just, we're sitting in the the library. And I said something to her about who Jesus is because she was experiencing fear. And these little tears formed in her eyes. And uh, they just fell down. And I was pretty much busted too. And she just looked at me like I'd never seen it like that before. I got to shine. You get to shine. We're talking about a star that led them, the wise men, to the presence of Jesus Christ. You can do the same. Stars in the Bible are often symbolic of leaders. You get to lead. And you know the way I'm saying to you about the reaching thing? I got to lead my daughter to understand a little bit more of who Jesus is. Oh my goodness, that's enough. This is good, but that's spectacular. The wise men, they were looking to the heavens and watching beyond their current circumstances and they were looking in humility for someone. When you're looking for Jesus, often there are signs to follow for the way on. Following the signs that belong to him will result in greater relationship with him. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You want a sign, go after him. I want a sign, I would only follow Jesus if I had a sign. No, go after him first and you will get plenty. These wise men, they were astrologers. We're not really quite comfortable with all that. I'm not comfortable with that, but they were astrologers. They were the ones that God called. What do you do with that? Astrology, as Wikipedia defines it, is the study of the movements and relative positions of celestial objects as a means of divining information about human affairs and terrestrial events. Astrology has been dated to at least the second millennium and has its roots in calendrical systems used to predict seasonal shifts and to interpret celestial cycles as a sign of divine communication. And Colin's addition is in the absence of the presence of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that astrology is good or it's right. I'm saying the exact opposite. 
But what we cannot miss is the astrologers, because they were looking in the heavens and were looking for someone, saw the star, they were astrologers, and their journey led them to meet Jesus Christ. T.D. Jakes, who, uh, he's the pastor of the Potter's House, was asked by Oprah Winfrey, is there only one way to Jesus Christ? And you'll be as nervous as I was when he said this, but at the end it gets good. He said, nope, there's loads of ways to Jesus Christ, but they all go through the doorway of Jesus Christ. These men were looking in the heavens for someone and they found a star and they followed the star because they recognized it to be his and their journey led them to the presence of Jesus Christ. What do we do with people here in the occult? Got to get away from you. Oh, I don't want to be anywhere near you. I don't want to be anywhere near any of their stuff. But it's evident that Jesus Christ is after them. And maybe their journey of this seeking and searching, which they've ultimately found in the wrong place, maybe if we don't give in to fear, we'll find that the perfect love that we carry will maybe start to influence them and they'll get off that new age occult, demonized, horrific cesspit and they'll move themselves over to the presence of Jesus Christ. John Paul Jackson used to take a team to a festival called Burning Man. And Burning Man is basically a new age, it's like a... um, a center for those guys to come to. And what they did was they didn't tell anybody that they were Christians, but they would, people would come and visit their tent because they would say there was a pleasant aura, right? And they would come in and they would be like, I want to have this light that you have. And John Paul Jackson would say, uh, you, well, this is a very jealous light and uh, it's, it's the light of all lights. So if you want this light, you're going to have to let go of the other lights. And they were like, I want this light. And he said, he would, he would say to them, light of the world, come in. And they would hit the ground. And after a amount of time, they would come back up and they would say, I've just met Jesus, haven't I? We don't need to be afraid of anything. And surely part of what the Christmas story tells us is that God can get people from places where they have been to places where he is like that. So let's not be afraid. We've got to learn to recognize what God's doing in its infancy even in us. Learn to see the duties of a king in the role of a shepherd boy. The kings recognized this star, made the long, costly journey. The presence of the king of kings caused them to open up their treasuries and bring their gifts. Identity precedes activity. Jesus was called the Messiah, even though he was just a little baby. You know the Bob Dylan song? How many roads must a man walk down before you can call him a man? Thanks. How many roads? How many roads is enough for you? How about this? We'll call him a man first. God set this precedent that he's not going to have you do all of these things. And at some point when you've ticked enough boxes for him to try your very best to get your way in, to become that thing that you were created to be, and he'll go, that's who you are. He'll come and he'll say to you when you're just this kind of a size in him and go, you're a prophet to the nations. You're going to be one of the best communicators on the face of the earth before you can even speak. This Christmas, remember who he is. Remember whose you are and follow the star. 
Follow the sign of the season and let it lead you to know the king in a deeper way than ever before. Would you stand with me? And I had totally forgotten to ask Nathan to come up. So let's stand. Holy Spirit, we recognize your presence among us. And Lord, in this moment um, of relative silence, we ask that in those places where we've been working so terribly, terribly hard to meet your expectations, to become the person that we feel that you've called us to be, would you cut through all of that stuff? And would you call us who we truly are? We recognize that we stand on grace. You came and you did everything that you were called to do and you died so that we could be here. We stand in and on grace. So we want to learn to be able to receive it. And as always, I have some questions to help you to respond. Do you need to respond like Mary and embrace the call of God on your life? Secondly, do you need to stop protecting your kingdom from the King of Kings and yield yourself to him? And then finally, do you want to follow the star this Christmas and meet the Christ child in a way you've never met him before? If you can answer yes to any of these questions or you just want ministry, I would encourage you if you don't normally respond, it's Christmas. listening to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast. For more information on our church, you can find us on the web on www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. Thank you for listening.